We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. It's Sam Adams. We're constantly improving who we are, what we do, and how we brew. We may craft over 60 styles of beer, but it's Boston Lager that has captured the heart of America since 1984. With its deep amber color, caramel notes, and signature hop character, what better to have in your pint glass? Sam Adams Boston Lager. Pursue better. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link alongside James Anderson, lead prospect writer for Rotowire. You can follow James on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. I'm at Clay W. Link. Uh, James, we're going to be delving into your, your latest Farm Futures piece, focusing primarily on Vincent Velasquez, uh, who you watched recently and when one of his starts. Uh, we also, you know, by request of a Twitter user, at uh, Bcline66, we're going to be looking at the top 10 prospects in the AL Central, uh, thank you for that request. Uh, any anybody else who has any you know suggestions, recommendations for future episodes, please hit us up and, and give us some some ideas because we'd we'd love to uh, cover what what you guys uh, are, are primarily inter- interested in. Uh, but first of all, big news coming down uh, regarding one of the Rockies' top prospects, David Dahl. Uh, scary on-field collision. Uh, apparently, I, I haven't seen it, but uh, bad news for Dahl because. Uh, suffered a concussion, broken rib, and, and possibly uh, a ruptured spleen. I guess the concussion, broken rib, are just likely, and this is according to a, a Jeff Passan report, uh, Yahoo Sports. Uh, pretty discouraging, you know, and troubling here. Do you, you know, what do you think is is the deal here with Dahl? Do you, do you see him missing, you know, most of the the rest of the season? 
Yeah, I think you probably have to assume that he's out until at least, you know, July or August. And at that point, you kind of wonder what the point would be of having him come back. I mean, maybe you just kind of save it for, uh, you know, the fall. Maybe if he's ready to come back for Arizona Fall League or something like that. But, yeah, I mean, it's if it was just one of those three things, it would be concerning in and of itself. Yeah. But since it's all three, probably, and you know, concussions with what we've seen with his organizational teammate, uh, Justin Morneau. I mean, those can be really, really tough depending on the person. I mean, they, they affect every player a little differently. So, you know, just the concussion's probably the one that I'm most worried about long-term just because once you kind of have one of those, then it can lead to, to future, uh, future concussions. And, you know, it, with, with each recurring one, you, you end up missing a bit more time, it seems. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the, the rib and the spleen are, are stuff that is going to hurt him in the, in the short term with his development, but the concussions one that could possibly linger into his big league career. Yeah. That's not something you want to see. And, you know, all these outfield collisions, I mean, we saw one last year with Byron Buxton, uh, you know, really scary and not the way you you know you imagine a top prospect going down you know you'd think it'd be something else but uh, these these kind of things happen and uh, we wish the best for David Dahl hopefully you know it's not a ruptured spleen you know not for sure on that yet but hopefully uh, these injuries are a little bit less severe than they sound right now because it it does not sound good Uh, Dahl was hitting 263 293 74 at double a uh, three homers, 16 RBI, 13 stolen bases, and 17 attempts. So, uh, you know, making that jump, you know, it, it takes a it takes a while to adjust at that level. Uh, but he, he's showing that he, he you know, he's staying afloat or was before going down. And, uh, you know, just have to hope that you know when he does return, he's able to hit the ground running. Uh, but we will focus on on Vincent Velasquez, as I mentioned. Uh, James, you watched him with Double A Corpus Christi taking on Double A Northwest Arkansas, who you saw live earlier this year. Uh, now the stat line looks really good. Five innings, no earned runs, uh, three hits, one walk, eight Ks. Uh, I just want to know what, what were your biggest biggest takeaways? You know, seeing him in action for yourself. You know that that we don't see just looking at these numbers. Uh, you know, he's got a really good starting pitcher's body. You know, big. Uh, I think six three. 205 is what he's listed, but I would say it's closer to probably two fifteen or two twenty. Looks like he could handle, uh, you know, a pretty big workload. He's got uh, plus fastball, which you know sits in the the mid nineties, uh, plus changeup, which was just really giving hitters fits all day long in this outing that I watched. Uh, you know, really just kind of dives dives off the table there, and it's you know very deceptive. So works well off the off the fastball, and then he's got a you know a developing developing breaking ball, which got a got a couple guys uh swinging as well so he's he's someone that i think you know i i put him just behind mark appel when i was doing the updated top 200 i might have him slightly ahead of mark appel at this point and uh you know i like him more than lance mccullers who's already getting a taste of the big league so this is probably the guy that if if you're looking for someone to kind of step up and be uh, you know, a, a number two or a number three starter for the Astros when this team kind of gets on a nice little three or four year run here of being contenders. I think he's the guy to kind of look at and someone that I would think about actually targeting in some deeper single season leagues this year. 
Yeah, it's really good to see him have this success after he, you know, was set back at, at the start of the year due to a, a back injury. So it's good to see him coming around. Uh, had had ten strikeouts in an outing earlier this this month, and uh, really liking what what you know. I haven't been able to see him, but from what I've you know, just looking at the stats, it's it's pretty impressive. And you mentioned the the developing third pitch, the breaking ball. Do you do you see that being uh, an average, uh, above average offering in time, or do you think that'll always kind of be uh, distant third? It'll work primarily with those uh, with the fastball changeup. Uh, the cur- the curveball is good when he kind of keeps it down. I mean, he the first so in this start the the first inning he he had a stretch where he threw six straight balls. Some of those were kind of, you know, deb- debatable calls by by the ump, but he ended up only with uh, 52, 52 strikes of the 72 total pitches, so you could tell how he really settled in after that first inning. You know, I mean, he might have thrown 40% of his balls just in that first inning, and a lot of that was just him trying to trying to throw the, the curveball and not quite getting it to, to break uh, where he wanted it to, and it, it kind of ended up just sort of high and, and well outside the zone, so... Uh, still working on on kind of commanding that pitch, but it's such a when it when everything's kind of going well, like the the final three innings of the start, he had all all three of his pitches working pretty well, and that's when he was just really rattling off the strikeouts. I think he went, you know, two strikeouts per inning in the the fourth and the fifth, I believe, uh, five strikeouts in the final three frames. So when he's got all three of those pitches working, they they really kind of play off each other well, and you know that's probably going to be one of those things. like like for instance a guy like Shelby Miller he had plenty of success in the big leagues with just the two pitches now this year we've seen him kind of develop that third pitch a little bit more and you can see the success he's having Velasquez I mean he'll probably have the curveball some days some days he won't necessarily but uh, he's got the stuff right now to kind of make it work with it being sort of in that that 45 to 50 grade range but if that curveball does kind of take a jump in the coming years and you could be looking at a number two starter how would you grade the control i mean last year working you know pitching primarily at high a lancaster 3.7 walk per nine mark uh then making the jump to double a this year he's trimmed that down which is nice to see 3.3 uh but still not a little higher than you than you'd like than it's ideal right now but if you had to put a grade on it what would you would you give velasquez's control probably you know 45 50 it's average solid average i mean it's it's not uh, the highlight of the the profile but it's not anywhere near the point where i would be concerned about it to the extent that we are with some of these other uh power arms we've talked about on on previous episodes i mean he's he's going to be able to make it work he might not be uh, a guy that comes into the big leagues and is instantly just a across the board contributor he might struggle with the whip a little maybe in the the one two five one three maybe maybe some one three two years but i think in time you'll see that kind of settle in and in the one two five range which is which is fine as long as he's getting those big strikeouts and that's what i think the the highlight of the highlight with velasquez is you're going to get a strikeout printing i think in the big leagues you embedded a tweet from jose de jesus ortiz of the houston chronicle uh, he said, quote, when I raved about vincent velasquez recently to an astros official i respect tremendously he said quote he might be next, uh, you know. If you, also, by the way, if you want to read James's latest farm futures and don't have a RotoWire subscription, you can go get ten days for free on us, no strings attached, by going to rotowire.com/pod. It's rotowire.com/pod. Uh, and you mentioned, you know, you had him a little bit behind uh, Mark Appel, but uh, it, 
is in your eyes is Velasquez going to beat him by a, by a decent margin to the major leagues? I think if if everything kind of stays on its current course, you you see him in the big leagues before you see Appel. Uh, Appel's been pretty up and down so far this year, and Velasquez has not. And it's just kind of an issue of do they think he's ready? Um, I mean, in terms of the results, he's ready. So I think that that that's more of an issue with Appel, where I'm not sure what 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 they're doing necessarily develop develop developmentally with him in terms of trying to fix some of the the issues he's had in recent starts but Velasquez it seems like they're just you know it's it's only a matter of time before we see him up this year yeah I hope so I do have him in our staff keeper league too hoping to see him and uh, you mentioned Lance McCullers uh you know the numbers through two starts I mean he hasn't gone deep but you know pretty respectable two five three ERA one two two whip 11 strikeouts, four walks. What, what do you think his upside is? I mean, we talk about Appel Velasquez. Uh, McCullers was a surprise call-up earlier this season. Do you, What do you think realistically long-term? Is he a, a middle rotation guy, or do you think he's more of a four or five? I'm not even really sure that he's a starter long-term, so I don't know. I mean, I, I've been down on him basically – for the last three years or so as a starting pitching prospect uh the the command really took a a big step forward this year which I wasn't necessarily expecting I mean if you just kind of look back at his his previous seasons that that was a pretty big issue for him so uh I'd like to kind of see him do it I mean we're only working with about a a 40 inning sample size here so far between double a and the majors with him so I'm not quite willing to to go out there and, and make a firm prediction of what I think he'll be think, two, two years down the line. But obviously if you're, if you're a McCullers believer, you have to be pretty excited about what you've seen so far. I'm just not sure that I'm willing to buy into it fully. And finally, just while we're on the, the topic of the Astros, I mean, everybody wants to talk about uh, Carlos Correa and speculate as to when he might be up with this team. And, you know, I think we all kind of expect it to be, you know, probably sometime in June, but uh, is, is he somebody that you think, people should grab in, in pretty much all formats at, at this point, even se- single season? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I had a, an N.A. spot in one league and uh, went to go grab him a couple weeks ago and just, you know, somebody already had him, which was understandable. But I think, you know, even if you don't, you know, uh, taking that short-term hit with the loss of a bench spot, uh, you know, it'll pay dividends in the end because Correa went up. I mean, he could be a top top five shortstop right off the bat, maybe even top three. Uh, what we've seen from Tulo, it hasn't been very good. He could uh, could maybe even, you know, push him. And, you know, I, don't, I still think Tulo's going to be, you know, the number one shortstop when it's all said and done. But I think I think Correa could could make a st- strong run at that, assuming he bats high in that order. Now we'll, we'll move on to the AL Central top ten prospects by division. Again, thanks for the, the Twitter shout-out here. Uh, going to get to some of these guys. The, the Indians are a very intriguing system but we'll start with the White Sox here just touch on a couple guys uh Tim Anderson we've talked about but but Frankie Montas uh like what he brings to the table but at the same time I have questions about his ability to you know be a starter long term and you know his his pitch selection or his pitch you know uh, repertoire uh, I feel like you know maybe he needs to develop a, a better third offering to really succeed but, but what's your take on Montas uh, have you seen him so far this year I have not. Uh, you've you've probably seen more of Montas than I have. Um, we talked about him a little bit. I uh, wrote up uh, 
I think I wrote about him a few pieces back. He's he's just a guy that's got kind of crazy electric stuff that, yeah, his role's yet to be determined. But if he does make it as a starter, then it's a it's a pretty intriguing package. Yeah, three six ERA right now through seven starts at Double A Birmingham, one three one WHIP, uh, K per uh, walk per nine not great at, at uh, three point nine, but you know twenty seven strikeouts and thirty five innings. I think he could be uh, somewhat interesting, but just a guy to watch. You have him second. Uh, in this organization, then Micah Johnson, who had a you know disappointing start, a lot of people had him pegged as a as a nice sleeper, uh, you know late round selection, uh, even in in most mixed leagues because he did win that job out of camp, but uh, since has been replaced at second base for the for the major league club. But when do you, th- do you expect Johnson to be back this season? You know, it's just it's just going to be when does he kind of force their hand? I don't think that they like the idea of of going without him the rest of the way. I think they want to get some offensive production from that position at the big league level, but you know, he needed to be sent down, just wasn't wasn't really producing in terms of, you know, his speed. He wasn't hit for much pop. Uh the defense was lacking, so I think I think defensively is kind of where they kind of want to see the the growth from him at the minor league level. I think they're more they're more confident in his his bat long term. I think if if it had just been that he wasn't you know producing much at the plate, then I think he would still be up. But the the errors. I mean, you look at the guys like Jeff Samarja and and Chris Sale and Jose Quintana, whose first few starts were a little shaky. A lot of that was just because of the defense behind them. So uh, they kind of wanted to to shore things up there, get their pitchers going, and then hopefully Johnson can make the adjustments at AAA. Yeah, I mean Carlos Sanchez. Uh, helping out that defense, as you mentioned. But offensively, it's been a struggle. Seven for 38, two extra base hits, both doubles, two RBI, three runs scored, 184 average. So, you know, as you know, the value, the defensive value only goes so far. I think if, if he keeps this up, uh, we could see Johnson again. And, you know, a little more than a one-category play, in my opinion, but at the same time, there's, there's value to be had there. Uh, we'll just run down the rest of these White Sox prospects uh, for for our listeners, just so you know, we got again Tim Anderson, Frankie Montas, uh, Micah Johnson, then Tyler Danish, Spencer Adams, Trey Mikelovich, Mikelzuski, Mikelzuski. Yeah, I, okay, I should have. That's a that's read a that. tough one. Yeah, hard one to read on the fly for <laughs> sure. Uh, Jacob May, Micker Adolfo, uh, Trace Thompson, and Courtney Hawkins. Check these out. These have been updated pretty recently, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I think like two weeks ago, yeah, I think I updated ago. all these. So uh, as well you as know, the overall top two hundred. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a very exciting top ten. The White Sox. Uh, I mean, you're looking at guys. You know, Tyler Danish is a guy we could see this year who who probably profiles as a as a three or a four. Uh, but you know, the rest of this this list is I mean like seven through ten on that list is is very very just kind of shot in the dark on on some tools guys interchangeable yeah tools guys I, I hear that uh far cry from some other organizations but at least they're better off than the, the Tigers who we'll get to in a bit but the Indians uh Francisco Lindor is still your top prospect in that organization then Bradley Zimmer Giovanni Urshela uh Clint Frazier Bobby Bradley Justice Sheffield Francisco Mejia, Luigi uh, Rodriguez, Luis Logo, and James Ramsey. Haven't heard of uh, Luigi Rodriguez or Luis Logo, but that's those are some cool names. And I was talking with you. <laughs> they are some cool names. I was talking with you the other day about you know because we were talking about the 
Indians hitting prospects. Wondering, you know, do they have anything on the pitching side? I like, I really like their starting staff on the major league roster right now. But do they have any guys coming up through the system? And and Justice Sheffield, the the top pitcher on the board uh, at, at number six here. You know, he's still very young, but. Uh, what do you see in him long term? Do you think he's a guy that they can lean on in the future as a legitimate, you know, you know st- starting option at the major league level? I think he's a guy who's going to be kind of questioned all the way up the ladder as to whether or not he's a starter or a reliever, and that has a lot more to do with just his frame. I mean, he's a he's a lefty, he's five ten, uh, bulky frame, you know, two hundred pounds, but. People are going to point to that 5'10 size basically as his whole way up and, and just kind of question what his future role is going to be. I mean, the results so far have been pretty uh, impressive. I mean, for, for a high schooler uh, out of that draft to have already thrown 40 innings this year tells you that the, the Indians aren't that concerned about his body holding up. I mean, it's a sturdy frame. Uh, you know, he's, he's averaging, let's see, 11, 11 Ks per nine less than three walks per nine so you know he's he's got a four uh 402 era but the the fip is is two and a half so obviously i mean that that's that's probably some some bad luck in there and uh if you're going to own a guy from this system who's a who's a pitcher sheffield's the guy but this is someone you're gonna have to wait three or four years on yeah i mean too that he's he's pitched 40 innings but with a full season affiliate too and you know four and one i mean the numbers you know for a kid that age against competition that on average is close to three years older than him. I mean, that's, that's definitely impressive. But uh main guy that the, the Twitter user wanted to, to know about, Bobby Bradley, wanted an update on this guy. Do you have anything for us, James? He's been, you know, up and down. I, it's, it's not a year where you should really even look at what Bobby Bradley is doing until, you know, July or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's – you know, first base prospect who's in his teens, you know, he turns 19 here in a, in a couple of days. Uh, just the fact that he's playing in a full season league is impressive in and of itself. I mean, the numbers are, are they're pretty impressive. He's striking out a 33% clip though. So that just kind of shows you, you know, his youth. I mean, you, you expect that with a guy playing uh, low a at, at that age i mean 18 years old playing low a mm-hmm. uh but he is he's getting on base at a three 37 clip uh slugging uh 468 so uh five home runs in in 23 games i mean the power the power that kind of got him into the right around the top 100 before the season has definitely shown up and he's a guy who i would i would say he's he's kind of treading water slash trending up a little bit in, in terms of uh, dynasty league value but he's someone that you should you should look at his numbers at maybe the all-star break and, and then kind of draw conclusions from that yeah did deal with uh, an oblique injury earlier this season as well so you know i could understand if that were you know maybe came out of the gates a little slow after you know getting the green light to return to action looking at your updated top 200 bobby bradley checking in at 105 right behind nick gordon uh, ahead of guys like Brandon Drury, uh, Braxton Davidson, Cole Stewart, Pierce Johnson, um, yeah, it's going to be a while. I mean, just like uh, you know, just like with Justice Sheffield, as we talked about, uh, it's going to be quite a while the, for for Bradley. The guy that the guy in this system who everybody should be you know trying to scoop up right now if he's available, and someone who I think I had ranked right around Bradley before the season 
is Bradley Zimmer, and and he was kind of knocking on the door of that top fifty when I when I updated the top two hundred. I mean, he's really just you know across the board impressed so far. I mean, eight home runs, twenty steals, three nineteen average, four eighteen OBP. I mean, he's he's tearing it up right now at high A. It's a college bat, so he's probably going to move pretty quickly here. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him at Double A in the the relatively near future. And this is this is a guy who I, you know I think has has definitely earned uh, this distinction as the the second best uh, prospect in the Indian system. And I, I don't think it's that close actually. Okay, and yeah, I I hear that all the way. But what about uh, Giovanni Ursula? Uh, I mean. Lonnie Chisinau did homer the other day, but he's batting 216 with a 248 on base. Meanwhile, Urshela uh, took a step forward in the minors last year with the plate. You know, was you know primarily leading up to last season, heralded for his his glove and his defense. Uh, but this so far this year at at Triple uh, A Columbus, just 13 games, but um, 10 or I'm sorry, 16 for 50 uh, with two homers, six RBI, five doubles. Uh, Two walks, seven strikeouts. Do you think he will be an option to to replace Chisholm Hall uh, in the second half? Yeah, I mean, it might not even take until the second half. It's just that with Urshela, it, it's not a a high impact profile. It's a guy kind of like Kyle Kubitza with the Angels, where you're just going to kind of get sort of you know in that that twelve to twenty twelve to twenty five range in terms of third baseman. So. You're hoping for a, a nice average. You're hoping that he gets on base enough to hit high in the order. But uh, you're really looking at maybe a an 18 to 20 home run cap in his peak years, I would say. And I, I just can't – you know, I could make a case. I, I think Ur- Ursula is closer to Frazier and Bradley on this list than he is to, to Zimmer just because of Zimmer's ability to, to be a five-tool uh, or five-category contributor. I mean, yeah, when when Urshela's up with Francisco Lindor, the left side of that at infield, uh, that defense is going to be good. And we, we have to touch on Lindor. Uh, I know we did uh, a couple weeks ago after you wrote about him in one of your farm futures, but, uh, you know, the team in, in reports out of Cleveland kind of suggesting that he wasn't really close to the close to a promotion, wasn't really in, in line for one in the immediate future. Uh, why was that exactly? I forget the exact reason. Was it that they wanted him to focus they said that he needed work on his defense and his offense. Okay. And so by them saying that, I just really, I don't have any, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know whether to believe ETA. any of that or none of it or all of it. I mean, it's, it's just kind of, I don't think they're ready. And they just kind of wanted people to stop asking them when he would be up. Yeah. Uh, he's not hitting. So, I mean, there's, yeah. there is that. It's not like he's pulling a Carlos Correa and they're not calling him up. I mean, he's, He's hitting 251, 325, 354 right now. Just one home run, eight steals. Uh, those numbers are all well. The, the OBP's uh, better, but those the rest of those numbers are all down from his numbers in fewer games there at, at AAA last year to end the year. So uh, I think they're going to kind of make Lindor earn the promotion, which which makes all the sense in the world to me. I mean, no sense in you know, just kind of rewarding him for, for maybe stalling in his, his development at the plate. I, I don't think he really probably has that much to work on defensively at the minor league level relative to the rest of the shortstops in the big leagues right now. So I wouldn't read too much into that. But, yeah, I mean, he, he obviously has some stuff that he could uh, improve upon at the uh, minor league level at the plate. Yeah, I could see 
you know, where the Indians are coming from saying that, though. You know, with all the promotions early on in the year, Brian, Addison Russell, uh, Cindergaard, somewhat recently, but, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of questions from the media's, you know, when's this guy going to be up? You just kind of kind of brush that aside, let him focus on, on improving down there before, you know, start even talking about a, a possible promotion. Now we'll move on to the Tigers just because I guess we, we have to touch on just a couple at, at first, but this is uh, really not a good system. Is this the worst system in baseball, do you think? Uh, I don't. Ugh, man, that's tough. I had the the other big candidate for me, if I recall correctly, is the Marlins. The Marlin, yeah, the yeah, Marlins, Marlins are bad. have a really really rough system right now. Um, the Tigers at least have guys who I think you you could at least dream on a little bit. And Derek Hill, Derek Hill's, you know, he's got crazy tools. Uh, Buck Farmers had a had a really excellent year so far at Triple A, which earned him the the call up for the start. Um, so I mean, I, I think you can get excited about those guys. I mean, Buck Farmers had a better year at Triple A than any of the Marlins pitchers have, and the Marlins top five is like all pitchers. So I mean, <laughs> it kind of tells you where where they're at. But yeah, the Tigers are one of the bottom three for sure. Uh, Farmer's been been pretty awesome though. I mean, he two nine eighty ERA, almost uh, a strikeout per inning at at AAA. So, someone to definitely keep an eye on. And that that Tigers rotation, uh, you know, after the the top couple guys, I, I definitely think that Farmer could could make a case to to stick there for a while. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, the numbers as you mentioned, really good, and uh, you know, so many injuries there. I mean, Verlander, Alfredo Simon, Kyle, Kyle Lobstein as well all hurt right now and farmer i mean really good and he, i think he has a nice matchup tonight because the angels have struggled so much against right-handed pitching i just feel like you know on the roadwire prospect or on the roadwire fantasy baseball podcast yesterday jake latarski recommended a uh an angel stack against farmer and i see where he's coming from but at the same time i feel like you know that's one to, to avoid because i think farmer going to surprise some people uh, with his with his performance tonight, and ex- excited to see him there. Now you're you're pretty down on Stephen Moya. I mean, we've talked about this before. Uh, he's sixth in your organizational ranks right now. Uh, what is it? I didn't I didn't even include him on the spreadsheet because I didn't want to talk <laughs> yeah. about him. You listed three guys and you just were <laughs> dot da, 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 trash. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. You have uh, Dixon Machado, Spencer Turnbull, both ahead of him. What is it about Moya that really turns you off? I mean, what is it that should turn me on, I guess, is the better question. Power, uh, maybe? But, no, I mean, that's just was one tool that stands I mean, out it's, a little bit. It's like uh, it's the type of power that he could bring to, you know, like a like a home run derby at, at like a, at a <laughs> summer fest in like a small city or something like that. I mean, it's it's nice. It's nice that he's got all that power. But, um, I mean, he's he's been hitting a little bit better than he, than he was when I updated these rankings. I just don't really see how he could make it as a full-time big leaguer and i'm not in the business of recommending rostering bench bats so uh i don't know i mean if if no i hear you it's 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 just a tough profile to get excited about yeah i mean he it's he's a guy who i thought you know i I saw him just briefly in the fall ago uh didn't really make much of an impression Asked Bernie Pleskov uh, what he thought about him, and he he thought there was some potential there, but 
I definitely respect your opinion and, and see the holes in the game as well. Uh, not somebody he, I'm I'm excited. About. He is just 23, so mm-hmm. it's not. If he was 25 or 26, I'd I'd write him off completely, and he might not have even shown up on the rankings. But you know, just 23, so I wouldn't I wouldn't just completely forget about him. And and if he can kind of show some improvements in that approach, you know, I I think one of the things that people look at is they'll look at the K rate and they'll be like, well, you know, he's striking out 30% of the time, but there's guys in the big leagues that do that and are successful. But if you're going to point to someone like Chris Bryant, well, Chris Bryant walks a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, and Moya doesn't walk. So it's, it's a much bigger problem when you're just swinging at everything and and you're not, you don't really have an approach. And that's, that's the issue with him. Now with the Royals, we've touched on a lot of these guys, because as I mentioned, you did go, down to AA Northwest Arkansas earlier this year, saw a lot of these guys on your top 10 in the organizational ranks. But there's one guy in particular that I don't know much about that I wanted to ask you about and that you wrote about briefly kind of in passing in the Farm Futures because uh, he was playing in the game opposite Vincent Velasquez. That's Balbino Fuenmayor. Am I pronouncing that yeah, right? Yeah, Fuenmayor, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of a fun name. Uh, <laughs> he's... He's a guy who I believe won uh, MVP honors in a independent league uh, last season, and the the Royals uh, signed him to a minor league deal. And you know he's he's been in in big league organizations before, but kind of kind of fizzled out with with the Blue Jays. Never made it above uh, low A, and. So far with the Royals, he you know he was behind Carlos Correa in hitting uh, in the Texas League, but now that Correa is no longer in the Texas League, that is uh, Fun Mayor's title to to kind of boast and you know hitting hitting three sixty five, four hundred six, six twenty three, ten homers and forty one games, pretty impressive. I mean, it's it's very very easy to just point to mm-hmm. his age and say, well, yeah, he's twenty five and he's in Double A, he should should be putting up those numbers. But, you know, he never put up numbers close to that at, at any of his other stops, and that's why he was out of professional baseball or, mm-hmm. you know, big league baseball. And now, you know, he's back. Obviously, something changed. Obviously, the, the Royals saw something with him that they thought they could I- improve upon. His his approach at the plate has been much better over, over previous years. Striking out was a big issue for him. Just start striking out at a 16% clip so far. So this is a guy who he was actually number two hundred one when I was updating the top okay. two hundred. I was going to ask you about that. He was the last guy out of that, so very close to to making that. Definitely someone to consider uh, rostering in, in deeper dynasty leagues right now. Um, you know, he, he plays. He's going to probably be a DH. I would I would imagine so. He might slot in as, as like a Kendry Morales replacement uh, a couple of years down the line. So someone to keep an eye on. Yeah, that's cool. I had not heard about him, but the great Balbino, sweet, <laughs> sweet name. I would love to see this guy, you know, after that adversity breakthrough. And what a job by the Royals talent evaluators to, to find him. And as you say, just see areas where he can improve and, and you know, get him to, to see those changes as well and make those changes. So pretty pretty darn impressive. Now, final final team in the – AL Central, the Twins. Of course, we got Byron Buxton, number one in their organizational ranks. Then Miguel Sano, Jose Barrios, Alex Meyer, Nick Gordon, Cole Stewart, Jorge Polanco, Stephen Gonzalez, uh, Gonsal- Thor- Gonsalves. Gonsalves. Okay, I wasn't sure if that. Yeah, I appreciate you 
helping with the, some of these names because some of these minor league names are, are tough. Uh, but then Lewis Thorpe and Adam Walker. Uh, we talked about Barrios at length recently on the show, but uh, what, I want to ask you about Sano because he's a guy who I think is you know, kind of quietly falling down some ranks. Um, looking at your updated top 200, you know, he didn't didn't fall all that far. Um, let's see, he, he was number seven, but at the same time, I think with all the graduations, people probably thought he'd be a little bit higher. Uh, do you see it that way as well? Do you think it's, you know, the star is fading ever so slightly? Uh, no, I, I am. I mean, if you can get Miguel Sano in your dynasty league for, I mean, anybody that I have ranked behind him on this list, then I would do it and I would do it in a hurry because he's, you know, he's, he's striking out less than he was last year at double a he's walking more than he was. He's already got nine homers in 43 games. The BABIP's been just his biggest problem. I mean, he's, he's got a 279 BABIP. 242 average but slugging 490 i mean i have zero concerns where where he's concerned right now so yeah i mean easy easy top 10 guy for me and and someone who you know maybe i think the time might have passed where you could have gotten him on the cheap Mm -hmm. i mean there was there might have been a period uh in april or, or early may where you could have maybe gotten him maybe for uh you know a guy like you know someone someone right behind him on the on the top top 10 there or, or top 20 but uh, i think that time's probably passed yeah i could see that i mean 10 doubles nine homers so far i mean you mentioned the slugging percentage but 25 walks to and 185 plate appearances pretty darn good right there i i definitely like snow too i think i had him in my top five even in, in my round table rankings but i think coming off the missed season the tommy john people may just You've just kind of forgotten about what this guy truly think, brings to the table. I think the, you know, the toughest three guys to order, uh, for me were, were Schwarber, Sano, and Gallo when I was redoing those. And, you know, if you asked me like on any given day, I think I, I could make a case for any of those three guys being being tops among among them. I think I went with Schwarber, uh, just for the the safety and the the floor, but. I mean that's those are three big middle of the order bats that are still in the minor leagues. Real quick before we move on, I just want to ask you about Eduardo Rodriguez, who debuts tonight. Uh, what are your expectations for him in the major leagues? Uh, he could be better than any of the guys currently in the Red Sox rotation, which <laughs> obviously isn't saying much. I mean, who would you say is their best pitcher? I mean, it might be. I'm, I might pick. Uh, Porcello, but yeah, I'd take Porcello. His, his numbers are garbage right now, yeah. so it's not. It's Wade not, Miley's coming around a little. Yeah, bit. I, I mean it's, it's. If anyone thinks that this is a spot start, I think you'll you'll know whether or not it was a spot start based on how well he does. Mm-hmm. Like if he, by like the third inning, probably. if he if he flames out, then it might be a spot start. But if he just has a quality start, I think he mm-hmm. sticks right because yeah. there's. Joe Kelly does not deserve to be in a big league rotation the way he's pitching right now. I mean, that's just a fact. So uh, if Rodriguez does well tonight, I think he's up for good and definitely someone worth grabbing in most formats. You called this a couple weeks ago, so props on that. Uh, But that will do it for the prospect portion of the Roadwire Prospect Podcast. Going to grade out our next pro wrestler on this 20 to 80 scouting scale based on the five tools we have established uh, for pro wrestlers 
if you haven't heard this portion, <laughs> they're well, well established. Well established. I I struggle through this explanation part of the show. I'm glad week. that you do it though. I appreciate that. Yeah. Look, entrance, signature move, command of the crowd, ring presence. Again, twenty to eighty scouting scale. Uh, we're gonna do Bam Bam Bigelow tonight. <laughs> uh, bam Bam. I mean, rest in peace, Bam Bam. Uh, headline to WrestleMania with uh, Lawrence Taylor. Did you know that, James? <laughs> Lawrence Taylor versus Bam Bam WrestleMania Eleven. That's, uh, that's kind of crazy. Uh, that's kind of a that's an out out of the outside the box headline. Yeah, exactly. That was. I think that was one of the only ones where you know neither guy ever held a, a WWE title. Uh, I don't. I don't think you know world champion when I think of that that matchup in the, <laughs> as the headline. Yeah, Diesel and Shawn Michaels was you know the championship match was just kind of an afterthought. Terrible match too. But uh, <laughs> I just remember Lawrence Taylor flying like flying elbow off the off the top rope. Uh, maybe it was the second rope, but he actually held his own. LT. Uh, he did his thing. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, he was—he probably oh, had yeah. some foreign substances to help him through that that uh, show. But we're gonna look some, at some local substances. <laughs> I'm sure Bam Bam <laughs> did as well. But um, we're gonna take a look at at look right now. Uh, we differ quite a bit here. Uh, what, what's your grade for look for Bam Bam Bigelow? I was I was actually pretty surprised to see that we differed on this, and <laughs> the only explanation I can think of is that the stuff that I didn't care for was the stuff that you really cared for because he's got a lot of it whatever it is and mm. i didn't care for it and you you must have cared for it i mean it's i got a soft spot for Pam. it's a little um you know his whole body is just like one big uh shirt that you would buy at like spencer <laughs> gifts and wear in like middle school with like flame like a button-up flame shirt you yeah. know i mean that's his whole body is just like one of those and, you know, it's very fitting that he's from Florida. I mean, I'm sure he he fit in well, you know, like on Daytona Beach and, and stuff oh, like for that. Sure. Um, now, he was billed from Asbury Park, New Jersey, and that's where he was born. Okay, but then he lived in Florida. Okay, um, And I just, I mean, you know, the, the head tattoo, uh, you know, he's not a... a you know, not an impressive physique. I mean, he's huge, but it's not a not an impressive physique. So, no. uh, yeah, I didn't. I gave him a thirty. I don't. I, you know, sue me. Yeah. No, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I just lowered my grade from sixty-five to sixty. Oh, now nice. I'm gonna still have to justify this sixty, but with, with <laughs> that's Bam a plus Bam, look. That's yeah. what you're giving him. You're giving grading him out as plus. plus. See, this is the reason why. <laughs> is I feel like with the head tattoos. You know, big, scary-looking guy, kind of an, a great heel look. Classic scary monster heel look. Sure. Um, I just felt like, you know, the the outfit, you know, the singlet, well, it wasn't really singlet, but just the bodysuit with the flames. He, not the best, but at the same time, I mean, just a beast and uh, athletic, too. He could be the heel in a Austin Powers movie, but he couldn't <laughs> be a heel in a James Bond movie. I think there's, there's, a, there's a difference. In no, that, that's you know. true, but, um, you know, I think, I think pro wrestling kind of trends toward the, sure. uh, the f- f- uh, former there. Now, yeah, okay. So <laughs> I, th- I think we're – are we on board pretty much with the rest of these? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that, that was our big – that was our big disagreement yeah. there. And, again, I see – I could see both sides. I just liked Bam Bam's, you know, mean look. He was an intimidating guy as a kid uh, for sure. But entrance, I got 40, you got 50. You know, the, the music was pretty – 
pretty lame. Just him saying "bam bam" over and over, and just you know, he just walked to the ring. Remember when he was with Luna Vachon, kind of added another element, but uh, overall pretty forgettable. I, you know, this I gave him a fifty, and it's all just for his um, his walk because it was like kind of like a like a strut sort of, mm-hmm. and it, I just found that very very comical given his his uh, physique. So uh, you know, very confident, like which also added to the comedy to me. Um, I mean, it's just it's not a not an intimidating entrance, but an enjoyable one. Yeah, very enjoyable. Uh, to a, I give yeah. him a fifty. I mean, I it's, it's 50. I mean, forty is still average. yeah, still decent mark. It's just there was nothing uh, aside from the entrance music that I that I really remember in my mind. Now, signature move. I got a fifty. You got a fifty-five. Uh, he had a couple. Greetings from Asbury Park, and then wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Want to give him a higher grade just because of that name, but. Uh, greetings from Asbury Park was a pretty sweet, you know, sit down, reverse mm-hmm. pile driver, uh, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, a diving headbutt, uh, nothing too special, but, you know, I like the I like the name greetings from Asbury Park. Yeah, that too. is a good one. Both, uh, both solid uh, nicknames for, for the signature move. I gave him a 55. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's a solid, solid signature mm-hmm. move. Not Nothing that really blows you away, but nothing to sneeze at either. Yeah, I, I think they were effective. They were, you know, when a guy like that's jumping off the top rope doing a headbutt, uh, you know, pretty pretty amazing to watch. Pretty devastating, I guess you could say. The, the sit down uh, pile driver thing, greeting Fazbury Park, also looked like it hurt a hell of a lot. Uh, and also, he could do a moonsault off the top rope for a guy that size. That was incredible. That that factored into my uh, ring presence grade, which was pretty lofty. But command of the crowd, fifty for me, forty for you. Mike's skills just weren't really there. Is that primarily your reason for yeah. this? Yeah. Yeah. And um Yeah, no, I mean I, I just didn't think that he did he didn't really do it for me in the ring uh that much. So uh kinda yet like when he'd get on the mic it was more just kinda like yelling. yelling like yeah. you could barely understand him. He was just kinda like angry and yelling and stuff. So uh yeah, I mean not nothing uh nothing too impressive there. No, I, I'm with you totally. Uh he, I'm just seeing now on his Wikipedia page, he won a Slammy Award in 1987 for Best Head. Uh, I just think it's just because of the tattoos, but I can't believe WWF gave out Slammy Awards for that kind of BS. That's but, that's that's beneath WWF. Yeah, they just reaching at that point. Come yeah. on. Uh, but, yeah, ring presence, 70 for me. Again, just an, an incredible athlete. Realistically, he would get in the ring and do, like, somersaults, could do moonsaults off the top rope, uh, pretty high grade because you know he, he's a guy who they could you know put in the ring with with really anybody, another big guy, and you know typically big guy matches are just two you know lumbering uh, guys who are just really you know really not entertaining to watch fight each other, uh, but with him he could fight another monster guy and and have a pretty good match. Yeah, yeah, I mean I, I give him a sixty. Uh, you know the the guys that I've given. Uh, 70s and 80s too in terms of ring presence are guys who i think are on a, a just a different level than than bam bam but you know solid 60 nothing nothing wrong with that i think uh you know one move i the the sling the slingshot splash that's that's a nice one um i mean yeah you're you're right for for his size and there's something about like you read what his dimensions were it didn't seem like it like mm-hmm. you know what like six four like almost 400 pounds 
just yeah. watching him on TV, he didn't he carry himself like someone that was that big, you know? Exactly. Like he's the type of guy who like if he was an NL like D line or NFL D lineman, like he would just be pulling all kinds of crazy feats, like running after guys, like probably scoring some touchdowns, you know, b- big fat guy touchdowns, uh, <laughs> you know, that that yeah. kind of thing. So very impressive what he was able to do with his his physique, but uh, you know, in a big in a big time match, I'd, I'd still take uh, you know a lot of the the big guns over him. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of a guy who uh, I have an overall grade of fifty five. Guy that I remember fondly and was a, a staple of that early nineties WWF, but not not one of my all time faves by any means. And uh, looking at the, you, know, you can learn a lot by these these pro wrestler uh, Wikipedia pages. Apparently, Bam Bam dabbled in mixed martial arts. Uh, lost his only fight, rear naked choke in the first round, but uh, got to give him credit for reaching out and just kind of speaks to his uh, all-around athleticism and talent. Uh, but that'll do it for the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Thank you for listening. Be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes if you get a chance, and we'll be back with you next Thursday. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.